presents Welcome to episode 27 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. We are on episode 27. That's unheard of. Yeah. You know what that Mio 27 means? Uh, it's three cubed. Close. It means that we've shot 26 episodes and they hate one of them so much <laughs> that they have ordered a 27. Yeah. This has happened to you, I assume, because it's happened to me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we had that happen on a show, which I won't mention, but there was an episode where we were told, throw that one out. Throw that one out. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see if this is the bad pancake. You know, Does it it rhyme with fill in base? (laughs) (laughs) I'll never tell. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, we never had a bad pancake because we never had a bad episode. So Very fancy. So here we go. So maybe this will be it. Okay. (laughs) Golly. You know, this is the second time Gabe and I have seen each other today, which we'll talk about in the course of things. But first. Yes. Would you be surprised to learn it's another bulging mailbag? And I'm not going to do music because now we have a music sting. It's very exciting, Fred Corey. Thank you very much. I really hope everyone noticed the fact that we have now, we now have a music cue for the mailbag and I love it. This is big production time. That's what's going on here. Pretty soon... Every part of this podcast will have a musical cue. That's right. It'll like it'll we'll have a soundboard. Right. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. Like a boop, like a morning boop, boop. zoo show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here comes the mailbag, starting with our friend Alan Perez. He said <laughs> subject line, depth of field preview button. <laughs> Guys, we're still relitigating depth of field preview. That's fine. It's, it's fine. Stop. These things never end. He said, I am rereading Photography for the Joy of It by the Canadian photographer Freeman Patterson. Do you want to make the Canadian joke now or should I just keep going? (laughs) He suggests, now I'm going to skip it, I'm going to skip it. He suggests that if you are shooting a backlit scene and are having trouble viewing the scene, stop down your lens and use the depth of field preview to darken the lens and make it easier to see what you're shooting. (laughs) This is an alternative use case that may make the button more valuable to more photographers. (laughs) By the way, my copy is from 1977. Gabe, have you ever thought to use a depth of field preview for this purpose? Absolutely not. No, I I will say that we could maybe just sell depth of field preview buttons as a special I Dream of Cameras piece (laughs) of swag. I'm just saying. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Next up, Bruce Horn, subject line, camera straps and expired film. Hmm. Hmm. Hi, Dreamers. Thanks for another great show. This time I'm going to let him compliment us. I was going to try to keep this to just one topic, but your show was just so engaging and so interesting. I can't help but make it too. Wow. I recommend, says he, this is going to be a Gabe thing, okay? He says, (laughs) I recommend... Peak Design camera straps. They use two little discs that attach to your strap lugs, and it takes about... Sorry. And it takes about two seconds to snap the strap on or off them. I use these on all my cameras with their Peak Design leash strap worn crossbody so I can bring the camera up to my eye very quickly. This is their narrowest, lightest strap, but their wider straps are great too. I also use their wrist strap, which uses the same connector if I want something more discreet in a social setting. You can also buy their strap ends separately if you have a special strap 
that you would rather use but want to use their connection system. I throw this to you. I don't know what to say to these people. Okay. Do so, you like these straps? So I'll tell you this. Peak Design has done a really, really good job okay. with these straps. And they're interesting because you can you can have the little connectors and you put them on other cameras and then you just connect your strap easily. So you're not sort of always taking off that little silver doohickey or thingy. Yeah. And yeah. uh, undoing that, so that's always an issue. So they did figure out an easier way to do the strap thing. I right. am I am now leaning towards the wrist strap. <gasps> I'm sort of now Gabe. into the. I know, I know. What? And because I started, you made me so self conscious that the last <laughs> few, the last few shoots I was on, I was realizing that I'm moving the strap and then holding the strap. If I just had the camera in my hand, I'd be ready at all times. I made you self-conscious. But I promise I will never, ever use that Fakakta depth of field preview button. <laughs> and I will always close one eye. That's what I can tell you. Wow. But anyway, um, yes, no, I'm, I'm actually coming to that point. And I love straps. And I love strap designers. But um, I'm coming to the point where I just want to hold the camera. I love I've that. said it. Did, did you notice, by the way, I'm getting a little ahead of myself today. Mm -hmm. Did you notice my wrist strap situation today? When we were out and about, yes, yes. Did yes. you notice? Yeah, I have. I recommend this for everybody who uses small to medium sized cameras. It's a wrist strap with a tripod yeah. mount on the yeah. end of it, so you can screw it into any camera, whether it has strap lugs or not. And the camera we're going to talk about later has no strap lugs. It is perfect and it's durable. And your tripod socket can take some punishment, unlike a lot of strap lugs. So, guys, wrist strap is where it's at. Bruce goes on. On expired film, although I used Pan-X, Plus-X, and Tri-X all the time back in the day, in my opinion, uh-oh, it's an opinion, here it comes. Oh, Unless boy. you have a specific need for an old film for a particular project, I recommend sticking with current films. This leaves more of those films for the artists who actually need them, gives you more consistent results, and supports the small film companies who were probably operating on much smaller margins than when Kodak was selling millions of rolls. Yes, I miss the look of some old films, especially Kodachrome, but time marches on. Reaction! Oh, he's making a face. I think we're going to talk about this film situation. Yeah, we were going to talk a little bit about the rising cost of film a little later. Yeah, so we're yeah. going to bookmark this. But Bruce, thanks for the email. Absolutely. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Ron Hoffer wrote in again. Now, Ron, we talked about his book last time, but I did not tell you his website. It is ronhoffer.com. R-O-N-H-O-F-F-E-R. -F this was his book, The Bronx to Berlin. It was really good. We said nice things about it. I'm telling you his website. On we go. Ken Bertram. Ken Bertram. This is a voice that I've heard on other podcasts. It's so Definitely. exciting that he took the time Definitely. to write to us. Hey, Jeff and Gabe, or is it Gabe and Jeff? Listen, we worked that out in arbitration, okay? <laughs> but I'll keep going. You guys are the best. Love the podcast. As I'm listening to the 26th episode, I felt a need to write an email. Jeff, I use the self-timer all the time as a cable release. I cannot, cannot he said it twice, live with a camera without one. It would be so horrendous that I would go into withdrawal where the fever would be so intense, I'm acting William Shatner is here, that well I done. could not press the shutter. I also use the depth of field preview, especially photographing macro shots, so it is important to me. Whether or not I would buy a camera without the depth of field preview is a different story. Hate straps, never used mirror lockup, 
I have wow. bought a Pentax MX, two Canon Sure Shots, plenty of soft releases, and an FM2, a Nikon FM2, due to your influence on I Dream of Cameras and the other podcasts you have been on. Gabe, he says, I also have a bag problem, pictures attached, and the pictures <laughs> don't even include my MOL, M-O-L-L-E, bags. Yes, a bag show. He attaches a picture with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve bags. Wow. Twelve bags for Ken. Hmm. My goodness. Ken, thank you for writing in and validating each of us <laughs> in our own special way. Yes. Well, here we are with a, an email with the subject line, film prices. Maybe we're going to talk about it now. Oh, well, let's do this it. This is from Malcolm Myers. He said... Hi, Jeff and Gabe. I heard your lament about the cost of film photography. I had an email from Analog Wonderland for Kodak 120 film at old prices, and so I spent a decent amount to stock up. I also bought some Pro Image 100 from another retailer for 38 pounds. The cost was 25 pounds a couple of years ago. Golly. Whilst I know no one is trying to gouge anyone, it was still expensive, and I still haven't factored in the cost of developing, which I will probably do myself. What right. this means is, whereas a couple of years ago I'd shoot a roll of color for fun, I will now now be counting the cost of every shot to try and make it count, which is a shame. That's if terrible. I were new to the hobby, yeah, I'd be seriously considering whether to continue with it, especially as digital is effectively free. Okay, Gabe, let it fly. Film prices, thoughts? It's really, really frustrating. And also, you know, Jeff and I spoke to my friend Chloe Kistner this week, who's a new photographer, yes. and she was explaining not only how much film was in her area, and but processing which was yes. just outrageous and so i'm really worried that this is going to discourage a lot of people getting into photography because instead of doing what you should be doing when you have a new camera especially a film camera is shoot 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 see what you like to do see what's right see what's wrong all that kind of stuff you're now everything's so precious so now you're yeah. overly worried about is the exposure right and is this right? And you're not really going to experiment and you're not probably going to bracket much. And, you know, all these things that you should do as a starting photographer. And uh, it's it's sort of discouraging. And also all these new films that are sort of, some of them or a lot of them are just the same film, just right. with a cool wrapper. And so I think that's going to, you know, keep driving up prices. And that's, that's really frustrating. Do you know, I was going to mention this on the podcast because I watched you putting a new camera through its paces today. Yes. We're going to talk about this camera a little later, but something I really noticed that I admired is you shoot six or seven times. Like yes. you'll, you don't hold back. No. You're like, I got a 36 exposure roll in there. I am going to let it fly. Yes. And that echoes what my very first photography teacher said to me, which is film is the cheapest component of the photographic process. So use it. Right. Because as you said, when you are learning, there is no substitute for trial and error, trial and error. Like shoot away, whether it's bracketing or trying different poses with a model or trying different approaches to the sunlight. You want to do that so you can see the results. So you're absolutely right. For young photographers, it's a major detriment if right. film is 35 bucks for film plus processing every single time. So, Too much money. Yeah, too much money. I also, I we've talked about this in the past, but this to me makes bulk loading your black and white film even more compelling as a cost-effective option. Absolutely. I have a bulk roll of Ilford Pan F that I'm going through right now. I'm going to get 18 rolls out of this thing. It was $100. That is cheap for 18 rolls, guys. Yep. yep. All right, on we go. 
Love Thank it. you for that sidebar. Rolf Tessum wrote in just to thank us for adding the I Dream of Cameras sweatshirt to the merch <laughs> store. He hauled out his 8x10 Deerdorf to help model it. He said, I first learned large format photography as a teen on 8x10. So when I first used 4x5 years later, everything felt miniature. Oh so it's goodness. all relative. And then he sent us an excellent photo of him with the Deerdorf modeling the shirt but not just modeling the sweatshirt he's got like a black turtleneck underneath he's a fashion plate in addition to being one of our favorite photographers so thanks for that Rolf speaking of people we love Bear Brown yes love this guy he said Thoughts after listening to episode 26. I've been talking to my students about shooting with both eyes open so they can find more than just a shot they are looking for. Some say it hurts their brain. I just tell them it's forcing them to learn and decipher more than one image at a time. Huh. This is an academic. This is a film professor who teaches our young people. On we go. When it comes to depth of field in photography, I think it's used more for creating bokeh and kept fairly simple. I have an app that I use to check the depth of field to know the range I have in focus when covering an event. I teach my cinematography students how to use a tape measure to measure focus and then check the depth of field to help them keep the actors in focus. Apps I recommend are Photo Pills, Magic Film Viewfinder, and for my students serious about cinematography, this is one that I've used, Pcam Pro which is iOS only. I've used that. I usually shoot with my Bush Pressman Model C, set the focus to 10 feet, and then depending on how much I need to move around, I see what f-stop would give me the depth of field I need and then adjust the shutter as needed. This way I'm more composing and shooting. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, this is about something that we're always told to do that I never do enough, which is preset your focus for an established depth of field range and then just shoot. Don't worry about refocusing after every shot. I never trust the camera enough to do this. I but never I always do swear it. I'm going to try. Yep, yeah, absolutely. By the way, he says, please do a bag episode. I have <laughs> a case. It's coming. It's fo- coming. It's yeah, coming. yeah, it's coming. We were talking about it today. I have a case for my bush. I think I may have to come up with a name for it. And all the accessories for it, such as my Sunpack flash gun, two 620 adapter roll holders, film holders, and more. I really enjoy your show. And then he attaches a photo of this camera. Golly, it's pretty. And that case is nice. So thanks, Bear. We love you. Here's a first-time correspondent from Germany. Bernhard Sperling. Well done. That wasn't a very good German accent. Bernhard Sperling. Sperling. Bernhard Sperling. (laughs) Dear Jeffrey and dear Gabriel. By the way, is it Gabriel on the birth certificate? it, It really is Gabriel. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm Scott Jeffrey, by the way. Oh, well. Nobody needs to call me that. I'm a longtime listener to your podcast. Keep them coming. I look forward to episode 100 and all that will be in between. He thinks we're going to do this to 100. (laughs) Obviously, I find your choice and variety of topics, the mix of info and banter and the overall vibe appealing. So no comments from my side. He loves the show. I love it. He's like your ideal focus group participant. Perfect. You have more than made up, he says, for the de facto loss of Classic Lenses podcast. Yes, yes, I know the guys claim it's still alive, but honestly, two to three episodes a year is not exactly a burning passion. No critique here, just stating the obvious. We do love Classic Lenses and would love to hear more from them. And if they want to have a throwdown, our softball team versus theirs, skip that. Tetherball. I have the reach to beat anyone in tetherball. That's right. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, on we go. In your last episode, you mentioned the Voigtlander Perkeo. 
and mentioned it to be the smallest 120 folder you know. We're going to talk about this camera a little more later. He says, a bit of cultural background. What? Perkeo is a local historical figure. He was the court jester and court dwarf of Elector Palatine Charles III Philip in Heidelberg. I looked this up. He is this kind of pranky jester kind of <laughs> character. And so that's a great name for a camera in German. It's like a scamp. It's the right. Voigtlander scamp. Love there it. are many stories of his pranks, his drinking, and his naughty exploits. Some stories say he was drinking three to five gallons of wine per day. You can say he was a very spirited character. I think that was the intended marketing message of Voigtlander. This camera is small but full of life. He says, my friend Walter Laufenberg has written a historical novel about him. Google Walter Laufenberg and you'll find that. If you're looking for more topics, I would love to see a bit more content about lenses for the cameras, fixed or interchangeable. All the very best from Germany, Bernhard. Fantastic. Phenomenal. That's, cool. That's really Bernhard, cool. Thanks for writing. Great letter. We love hearing from love our far history. flung listeners. So great. Speaking of far flung listeners, here comes Theo Panagopoulos. Oh boy. He says, Dear Jeff and Gabe, or Dave. Right, either one. Either one's either fine. One. I was listening to the recent episode where you discussed the virtues of using the mirror lockup function on a camera. I use it occasionally. It helps with the mirror slap of the Mamiya RB67, though it is well known this is more noisy than vibrate Yes, I made that word up. See the attached photo of the RB67 double cable cable release. This oh. has one cable which can be used to bring up the mirror and the other to trigger the long shutter release. You're Leave a second or two in between and no vibrations. This is the coolest looking thing. I've also included a photo taken using the cable release on a long exposure on some well-expired film. Cool ass picture. I, I'm not going to knock Theo, but it is a slow motion water shot. We're not going to talk about the content. I'm just going to say... As slow motion water shots go, it is a very good one, and I appreciate your usage of this tool. He says, you also mentioned the Voigtlander Perkeo. Fully encourage you to get that, Jeff. I did. It is a truly wonderful camera. I have traveled quite a lot with mine, and it is so handy and small, but produces beautiful 6x6 frames, as always, with lots of friendly vibes in your direction. Theo, we return the vibes. Thank you for that. Here is the best email we got, and I'm not knocking the other ones, but this is from Lisa Murphy. <laughs> Lisa Murphy says, greetings from Ireland. Gabe, do you want to hear my Irish accent? Uh, sure. Oh, I'm so sorry you said that. Greetings from Ireland. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. No, it's not. I'm um, not going to do that this anymore. This is exciting. Someone from Ireland. Someone from Ireland. Germany, Australia, Ireland. Love all it. in a row. Love Amazing. It. Greetings from Ireland. Firstly, I want to say how much I love the show. Oh. When I started listening, I felt like I had found my people. Well, it's because Gabe and I are Irish. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I love your energy and enthusiasm and your wonderful camaraderie puts a smile on my face. I decided to write into the show as I have noticed that the mailbag is, well, very male. Yes. You recently asked the question, where have all the cameras gone? Well, I pose this question to you. Where are all the women who collect cameras? I know there has to be more of us out there. And I Absolutely. wonder why women are less vocal about their camera collecting. For example... I recently joined a photographic collector's club, and the majority of the membership is male. I know you had Danielle Robleski on your show, and I really admire her work on promoting women who shoot film, as do we. We know that a lot of women shoot film, but is it is it a case that many are not collectors? My own story 
is that I am a professional archivist in my day job, and my love of collecting cameras came from my passion for history. Gosh, this is great. I love it. Like Jeff, I am drawn to the aesthetic qualities of cameras, but I am also fascinated by cameras which are linked to interesting or significant points in the history of photography. One example of this is my acquisition of a vest pocket Kodak. Wow. Due to its significant connection to the First World War, being known as the Soldier's Kodak. I'm sometimes not as interested in the technical specs of a camera so much as its story or provenance. For me, my cameras are beautiful pieces of history that I get to enjoy. Like yourselves, I do also try to use each camera and see what results I get. I hope that more women who are film camera collectors as well as shooters will reach out and that you will continue to feature them on the show. It would be so great to hear how other women have fallen into this hobby. Keep up the great work. Best wishes, Lisa. Her handle on Instagram is analog, spelled in the British fashion, analog, L-O-G-U-E, archivist, and she has an excellent logo. Lisa, fantastic email. Let's take these things one at a time. Absolutely. Gabe, the show is too male. The mailbag is too male. Thoughts? It is, but it's like we have honestly, we are trying, you know, as hard as we can. We want to be as inclusive to all photographers as much as possible. So it would be so great if we would hear from more... uh, Women photographers. That would be absolutely awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it's apparent, but 27 episodes in, we have tried very hard whenever we have guests on the show to have them not be old white guys like us. Right. Um, you know, I we take make a special effort to invite women onto the show. And so you hear their voices on this show. I know that there are just as many female photographers out there as male photographers. I don't know if there are as many collectors or not. I can't tell. Right. Um, judging from what I see at camera shows, it's overwhelmingly male. But surprisingly, when I go into camera shops, I see more female patrons. So right. maybe one-on-one is more comfortable for women in that setting as opposed to going to the sweaty, gross camera show with lots of unwashed dudes? I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but Lisa, if you know people, please send them our way. Yeah, we're very interested. We really make an effort. And it's unfortunate that you're the first female emailer that we've gotten. But right. we encourage people to write and we want to hear from more of them. You will be priority shoppers. We will escort you to the front like in Goodfellas. We'll take a special table to the front so you can see the show. And we love Ireland because uh, yes, because our lead in Night Shift was Irish, Owen Mackin, and it was... Oh, yeah? He would tell stories and how beautiful it is there, and I really want to go. Is it a screw-up to say British when you're referring to an Irish person? <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah. I guess somebody will call me on that. Yeah, At least I didn't happen. say English. Yes. Yeah. Okay, That's next okay. email. C.B. Adams wrote... This is a long one. I may do this a little bit skimmier, okay? C.B. Adams said, on the topic of where have all the cameras gone, he wrote in with many bullet points of what may have happened. But he said, (laughs) he started with, Gents, now that the sting of your rejection of my camera limericks has receded, I am compelled to weigh in. This guy is still suffering because (laughs) because we didn't choose limerick. CB, just hang in there, okay? There will be another contest. I am compelled to weigh in on the topic of where have all the cameras gone. Short answer, it's more than one cause. We can't just blame Japan for hoovering up all the cameras, though that is a contributing factor. I propose the following. One, there is a limited supply with no new ones being manufactured. Absolutely true. Number one, creates 
an atmosphere of scarcity within which there are runs on the it camera of the moment. This is definitely true. Number two above prompts some of us to hoard cameras. And he talks about how he too is guilty of this. Number four, there seems to be a growing notion film cameras are valuable by folks who have inherited a camera. Definitely true. And he talked about a local antique shop owner told me of a woman who was left with a relative's basement full of cameras and gear that included Leicas and Hasselblads. She was trying to unload 300 dusty and unusable Polaroid cameras and was offended at his offer of a few hundred dollars to take them. He also shared the experience of a person who drove 75 miles to sell him a valuable Polaroid SX-70 that was clearly damaged and was offended at the few dollars the dealer offered him. Hmm. Five, I have recently acquired a couple of well-priced pieces of gear through KEH, and I know you two are fans, but I do have to point out KEH and their ilk also creates scarcity, at least on the local level. He also said, limited supply is also pressured by a world market. I've heard that the burgeoning middle class in China has contributed to this. In particular, the Chinese love those German-engineered cameras. Right. It's absolutely true. And then his uh, one more thought before he reaches his final topic. He said, seven, those people turning great old-looking cameras into desk, lamps, bookends, and or steampunk assemblages. Those people are war criminals and should be prosecuted. <laughs> and he also said, attrition, <laughs> they wear out, become parts only, or discarded by people who oh, think boy. film is no longer manufactured. His final point is, so what to do? I am paring down my own collection to the most used cameras, which means I'll still have 20 plus, ranging from 8x10, 4x5, 120, 35mm. I'm also almost always buying locally rather than globally when I can. I happened upon a guy last week who overheard me talk about holy grail pieces of kit. I was able to get a 50mm DR Sumicron for an attractive price right here in St. Louis. I'd love to weigh in on the self-timer and depth of field issues, but this email turned out way longer than I anticipated. Shine (laughs) on you, crazy camera diamond CB Adams. Those are all great reasons. He's absolutely right. Yep. That is a really good survey of the reasons. As regards hoarding, I just want to point out once again, guys, don't hoard the cameras you aren't using. Think of Tessa. Exactly, exactly. And I'm the one who should be speaking on this. Yes, go for it. That's exactly my point. Exactly. I can't be, I can't speak on it. That's the problem. I want to thank Nicholas Lyle, who sent in some examples of his work with the Voigtlander Perkeo. He also mentioned a couple of tips, which he sent me about using the camera, all very, very much appreciated. So Nicholas, thanks for that. He also wrote to say, two years ago, a new owner took over Monument Camera in Tucson a wonderful old store that never bothered to go digital and was still selling and repairing film cameras. It was a dusty old place that hadn't changed in decades and the stock was getting threadbare, but I loved stopping in each year to see what I could find. Fast forward two long COVID years and I got back to Tucson to find the store transformed, completely renovated and stuffed with every kind of analog camera, mostly in ready to use condition, priced fairly. There's even a dark room in back. You can buy paper, film, chemicals, fully stocked, Photo store, monument camera. Gabe, when we go to Albuquerque. Yes. Is Tucson on the way? <laughs> we will make it on the way, Jeff. We'll make it on the way. Nick Lyle, thanks for the tips. Our final email. Laz Canny wrote. Laz Canny from Dover, New Hampshire. That sounds like a Thomas Pinchon character. It really does. That's so (laughs) funny you said that. It really does. Laz, is that short for Lazarus? That's very interesting. Okay, Laz Canny says, I know I'm late, but I have strong feelings. Hey, Jeff and Gabe. (laughs) Self-timers, crucial. 
Oy. Firstly, I keep a dirty, cheapo tripod in my car just in case, and the release cable always seems to disappear if I even have one in there at all. That self-timer is the most important piece of equipment in those wow. spontaneous night shot moments. Second, like you said, they're always broken. When buying that used camera, the self-timer is the go-to metric to see how excellent plus, plus, plus that camera really is. Do you know what he's saying? This is brilliant. Yep. Laz is saying the self-timer is the brown M&Ms. Yeah. So, right? when, so when the dealer says to us, don't touch that. They, I'm telling you, this happens all the time at, at the camera show. You will pick up the camera and you will start to touch that self-timer. Because they, they know... That that's going to be the thing that's going to show the camera that's doesn't work. The tell. Oh, I that's love this. The tell. I love this. I love it. I it love it. Is I love the it. Van Halen M and M's? Yes. If the self timer doesn't work, that's an indicator that the camera has not been well cared for. I love that. He said. So Third, better to have it and not need it than vice versa. Even if you only use it once a year, better to get the shot than miss it. I actually just picked up a Leica M5, and wow. one of the determining factors, amongst others, was the presence of the self timer. Oh, that's fantastic. And finally, he says, oh, and where if the camera's gone? No idea. I haven't seen a single camera to Goodwill in months. Sorry for the email. Thanks for all you do. Laz Canny from Dover NH. That closes the mailbag. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> I know. There's going to be a sound effect there. So excited. Okay. Guys, we're going to open today's episode with the big news in photography. The Leica wristwatches are out. Gabe, we could probably spend the whole hour talking about this, but the Leica wristwatches are out. I know all you guys have been waiting for the new wristwatch release from Leica. They're only available in seven stores. They range from ten dollars to $20,000. I'm sure a lot of our listeners Wait, have been waiting me, for this me. new... Excuse yes. me? How much? How much? Ten to twenty thousand dollars. Oh, okay, great. And they're only available at seven stores on the planet. Mm -hmm. And can you take pictures with them? I don't believe you can. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. I just want to step to the side for a minute and ask you: Do you believe things like that make people who want to say that Leica is nothing but a lifestyle brand? Does it reinforce that perception? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's look, it's to me it's a, it's a little wackadoodle because I don't go, "Oh, that's a like a watch." <laughs> I don't go, "Wow, that's a like a watch." I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful and I'm sure it's, you know, beautifully designed. The ones I, the two I saw today were beautifully designed, yes. but yes. but I'm not going but as a you know, like a lover, I'm not running out to get the watch. Not a chance. Definitely I'm running out to get happy. the camera. Yes. If you have ten to twenty thousand, you'll buy a black paint M six. You're not gonna ugh. Right, right. Anyway, they clearly think there's profit in that. To me, it just like I said, it reinforces the idea that it's a fashion accessory yes, and not definitely. a photographer's tool. Yep. Next topic. Here's the bullet point, Gabe. I'm gonna say these words and you're gonna take it and run with it. Turkish singer at the end of the block. <gasps> Go. Okay. So here's what happened. So <laughs> where I live at the very end of the block is sort of a little tiny park that looks north up to Malibu and south, you know, down Santa Monica and on and on the coast. It's very beautiful. You go there, you walk your dog and and hang out a little and, and chill. So all of a sudden on our quiet little street, about 150 cars pull up like maniacs. And I'm like, what is going on? I couldn't figure out. And these people are rushing down to the end of the block. 
and they're going, going, going. And we asked someone what's happening. And they said, a Turkish singer is having a little concert at the end of the block. And so I said, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I definitely have to bring my camera. I don't know who this person is. It's probably some local Turkish singer. It'll be fun to take pictures. And so I, I go there and just a bunch of people are milling around. And I asked someone, how did they even hear about this? And they said, on her Instagram story, all she did was circle a location on a map without any words or anything. Wow. And people saw that and ran. So yeah. she's a, so they said it's very rare that a Turkish singer from Turkey is in the United States and that you get a chance to see them. So I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, I don't, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I know nothing about Turkey. And, and you know, I don't know. So I go down there waiting, waiting, waiting. And this lovely young woman and a guitar player walk up and everyone's sort of friendly. So now I'm like, oh, it must be some really local thing because she's talking to everyone and very friendly yeah. and, and really nice. And there's no one going crazy and no one's grabbing at her or anything like that. So she, she sits down on the ground by this tree. Everyone sits down. She starts singing and everyone knows the words. Yeah. So now I'm like going, wait a minute. So I look, so then I go to her Instagram and it's like two and a half million followers. Then I go. Are you going to say her name out loud? Yes, I am. I am. Okay. I keep will going. in a second. So then I go to YouTube and I look her up and the video that I'm looking at has 163 million views. Oh, yes. So, yes. So her name is Zeynep Bastik, and right. or Bastik and or whatever. I just want to jump in here. Oh, yeah. I do have a Turkish friend. Yeah. I do have a Turkish friend. And so Gabe texted me about this, and I texted my friend, and I said, my friend in Pacific Palisades says there are a bunch of people at the bluff at the end of his street waiting for a famous Turkish musician. And he, I said, aha, it's Zeynep Bastik. And she goes, ah, is she here? I didn't know. She is new talent. Yeah, she's that like... That was her response. And so... She, she's a very big deal. So she's a big deal. So then I called a friend of mine who is also a well-known Turkish singer. And she said, oh, yeah, no, she is huge. She's like got tons of endorsement <laughs> deals and on. So I'm there. I'm taking pictures, right? And her friend and producer comes up to me, sees the Leica and says, oh, my gosh, can you do us a huge favor? Can you take pictures for us? Now, I'm in the back at this point, And she goes, oh, no, no. You're going to come and sit right next to her. So she takes me to the front. And I sit right so in front great. of her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. I have a ton of pictures. And uh, afterwards spoke to her. And she said, oh, if you could send these to me, this would be great. And they were actually shooting video as well. I mean, really, yeah. you know, like a red camera. It was really a cool thing. But she was spectacular. Like an wow, amazing singer. And you can look her up on YouTube, but she was just brilliant. And then, and then when she was done, I mean, she took selfies with people on and on, but she was whisked out of there in two seconds. And uh, she thanked me, and it was it was it was amazing. So that was um, that was Fantastic. my photographic adventure at the end of the street. Quick question: Yes. So this would be an example that validates having your camera on you at all times, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this was the equivalent of, you know, a shooting war breaking out in Pacific Palisades. Yeah, absolutely. But instead, it was a pop concert breaking out on your street. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a guitarist and a singer, and she turned out to be super famous. That is fantastic. Yeah, it was so I fun. love it. Yeah. Great story. We will link to her. Yes. Okay? I think she may be our official mascot. Yes. On this show. Okay. I have here also 
talk to me about your adventure with rock photographer Steinfeld. Talk me through so, that. Rock star and I Dream of Cameras composer Fred Corey, who was in Cinderella, and yes. and he played with Guns N' Roses, which is interesting because this is all part of the story. Because yeah, Jimmy, who was a big rock and roll photographer, he's most famous for Michael Jackson like shots that you'd know in two seconds, and David Bowie and Eric Clapton and on and on. But he has a picture of Fred when he was with for the short time he was with Guns N' Roses. And it's just, that's how they got talking. And wow. so Fred calls me and he says, look, Jimmy Steinfeld is selling everything he has. And I'm going, what? What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's selling everything. He's moving. He's traveling. And he lives up at the top of wherever. It was like Laurel Canyon, like at the top of the hills somewhere. Right. It was so yeah. far up that I've never been there. And yes. it had amazing views of the ocean and downtown and i it was spectacular wow but the gate opens and we're we're going down this steep still hill forever and we're just sort of like where what is going on here and now fred knows the house so he's been there so we get down there and it's just what you want it's like this hasn't been changed since the 60s you know the carpet the music vibe and the instruments and he was selling everything there and so all i'm doing is oh my gosh if there's a camera or anything photographic i'm excited so then he takes he gives us a tour so i'm so excited he gives us a tour explains his life and and the place and and the house was built years ago with the prophets from or the studio was built from the profits of american graffiti because one of the producers lived there and so he shows us the studio and it's sort of stuff all over the place and he goes yeah just go through the you know if you find stuff just gather stuff and see now i'm going oh my gosh this is a great thing so i open the the cabinets thinking there's going to be nothing there and there's all kinds of odds and ends that i could use clamps and lighting things and bulbs and on and on and he goes just grab a bunch of stuff and bring it up and we'll figure something out and so then i start opening camera bags and there is a minolta xg1 and i don't know anything about it but it had two lenses and i put that in my bag of stuff and a brand new camera backpack because obviously i need another camera backpack and I put all this stuff in there and I just, it was so exciting. And he had backdrops and on and on. The funny thing is he had the, also he had these sandbags, which would be perfect for lighting. The yeah. issue is there was be no way to get those sandbags up that hill we just <laughs> climbed. And I literally had them and I was carrying them. And I look at Fred, I go, Fred, we're not going up that hill. Like, There's a treacherous <laughs> hill. There's no way we could walk up that hill. So yeah. so Fred and I were laughing about that. And then we looked at the photography and stuff. And Fred looked at some great instruments and old instruments. It was it was fantastic. And then I got all my bag of stuff. And I, I you know, said to him how much. He gave me a great price on everything. And I then asked the question, which I always forget to ask. And I said, do you have any film? And he goes, film? Oh, my goodness. And he goes to his fridge, takes out a bunch of film. And he says, what oh. would you like? And so I picked out oh, about man. 20 rolls of film and he put that Great. in the package. And then, he, of course, he kept some, which was so fun to see because it's like me. It's like he wants to sell them, but he doesn't really want to sell it. Yeah, yeah. And so that was it. I didn't ask about any other cameras. I was just so excited with the little haul that I got. And the most exciting part was that on the floor of this thing, and those East Coasters will remember this, there was this little truck 
and it was the Wise Potato oh, Chips truck. I now, love that. I love that. So Wise Potato Chips was my favorite potato chip in New York. Because they were the best. They were, they were the best. And I just, yeah. I, I lived off of Barbecue Wise my whole life. So I was so excited. He goes, oh, I'll sell you that too. And it was that kind of thing. He had these photography <laughs> books. Anyway, it was fantastic. But it was great to meet him and hear his stories. And, and Fred, we just had a great time. It was very fun. That is super cool. So the one camera you came away with was the XG1 or were XG1 there other ones? XG1 and two lenses. Two and lenses. they were, they were okay. 250s, but they were just different kind of models. Yeah. Let's roll in to the camera acquisition phase of our discussion. Yes. Tell me about the XG1. This is a camera I didn't know anything about. You were you actually were shooting it when we were together today. Talk to me about I that. I know baby. very little about this camera. You know, I looked it up. There are a lot of videos on it, but I, it's cute. It's really easy. It sort of reminded me of the Olympus OM-1. And yeah. I sort of just, I've just tried it out, tried it out on you today. And yeah. I'm going to shoot, I have a shoot tomorrow morning. So I'm going to shoot with that a little bit and see how it goes. I'm bringing, besides this, which I'm just going to shoot out, I'm just going to shoot with the Rolleiflex and the like, and that's it. Tomorrow's a wow. two-camera day. Cool. Yep. Cool. All right. On the XG1, is that a shutter priority or aperture priority camera? It is a shutter priority. And it's got a Rokor 50mm 1.7, yes. which was delicious. Yep. And it is smallish. I When I was handling it today, it reminded me of a Nikon FM. And I don't think of Minolta's as small, nimble cameras, and I liked it. It's chrome finish, really nice looking. Yeah, like, I know. And it's it a works. pan camera. I would have, I would have gone right by that on the camera table, but right. it actually is really nice. And it was a great deal. I thought it was a really good deal. Fabulous. Okay, let's talk. Perkeo. Perkeo. Oh, here it comes. I said Perkeo before, but now that I've been told, Perkeo, guys. We talked about this. This was a camera we first became aware of, or I first became aware of, when we visited Monty's camera in Whittier a few weeks ago. So cool. And I immediately fell in love with the tiny form factor of this thing. It is not much larger than the Vito 2A, which is a 35 millimeter. This is a 120 camera. Now, right. couple of thoughts. Okay, so I went on eBay, and there, there were cameras on eBay, Perkeos, ranging in cost from $70 to $600. What? That yeah, is Yeah, I know. Yeah. Crazy. There are three different principal models. There's the 1, the 2, and the E, which is the same thing as the 3. The E has a built-in rangefinder. The 2 has built-in like film advance stoppage, so you right. don't have to use the red window on the back and it also has double exposure prevention or whatever something like that. The 1 is the base model. There are also many variations of whether they have a Compor shutter or a Pronto shutter, whether they have a Vascar lens or a color scope bar lens, whatever. Turns out the one that I got, okay, I saw one on eBay where the guy was saying like $90 or best offer. Oh, wow. I offered 60, we went back and forth. Sold it to me for $70. So there's no risk $70. there. That's fantastic. And, you know, it was one of those things like worked when we put it away. I was like, I, 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 fine by me. Like $70, right. the risk is so minimal. Right. Camera arrives. Guys, it's immaculate. There is not a mark on this thing. Look how beautiful. It's so compact. I love when Gabe that and I camera. were walking around today, we were on Abikini Boulevard. When this thing is folded up, I am not even joking. This gets thrown around a lot. It literally fits in the back pocket of my jeans. And it's a 120. It's so cool. 
Can't do that with your Holga. No. Cannot do that with your Holga. No. But my Pentax 6.7, I can do it. Yes. Uh, Matt Murray <laughs> made fun of me for saying that this was cheaper than a Holga. I did do the research. Holgas are like 40 or 50 bucks. This was, Would you rather have a plastic-bodied Holga with a plastic lens? Or Never. would you have an exquisite piece of German engineering, which will last another generation? I love it. I know what I would want. Okay, so I shot with this thing today. There are there's only one little problem with my specific camera, and it's not a it's not a it's a design problem. This camera was made in the era of orthochromatic film. So there is a red window on the back because <laughs> light through the red window would not expose orthochromatic film, but these days we use the panchromatic. Later versions of the Perkeo had a shutter blind that you could put over this thing. Mine doesn't, so I put some black tape over it. Worked like a charm. I shot out this roll today, came home, processed it in my stainless steel tank because I'm a badass. You're fancy. Pictures are great. I can't tell yet because this was a roll of Tri-X. This does not seem like a super duper crisp lens. It feels like a vintage lens. It's got a little bit of glow to it. It's right. not coated. Maybe the scope bar is delicioso. The ones with the scope bar were a lot more expensive. I'm going to use and enjoy this baby. It is such a kick. I'm now going to work through all of that 120 film I have in my fridge that it I don't shoot so with enough. Cool. Yeah. And since I posted about this, and I posted about it like a couple of days ago when I got the camera, so many people have chimed in and said, I have one and I love it. So many people. As a starter 120 camera, oh my God. They're plentiful and they're cheap. And I, you can't do better. And this leads me to one other thing. Yes. We have really not done well by the folders on this podcast. You're absolutely we hardly right. ever talk about yep. them. Why do you think that is, Gabe? I don't think we use them as much. And I'll tell you this, it was fun today because I brought you a couple just to sort of see. And I have a few of them, but I've just, I haven't used them. Yeah, Gabe showed up today. What you had a Zeiss Netar, which mm -hmm. was gorgeous. That was fun. Beautifully engineered. And then one other one that had no nameplate on it, right. which was also a Zeiss. Zeiss also I forget. Zeiss, yeah. Also a Zeiss. So of course you know the lenses are going to be great and they're going to be magnificently well engineered. Not quite as compact as this baby, but lovely. And it got me thinking, okay, maybe we ignore folders because if the bellows has a pinhole in it, that's a right. pain. You right. got something maybe I, by the way, I checked this one out, took it out in the sun, opened one eye. It's not a single pinhole in the bellows. It's such $70. a cool looking. It's so, you know what else I like? I'll tell you this okay, about that particular yes. camera is yes. look how clean it is on the outside as in, yeah. as in there's not a lot of stuff. So it's like- No it, clutter. Yeah, there's no yeah. clutter and I love that. It is nice. I mean, yeah, no rangefinder, right? But basically what you're looking at is shutter button, cold shoe, winder, and then the release for the lens. Yeah. Looks great. It is lovely. I enjoy this so much. We want to ask you guys. I know sometimes people talk about the Kodak Retina 3C. That's the one I always hear about when they talk about great folders. This is an invitation to tell us about your favorite folding cameras. Yeah, we need to know it more. It is absurd. We need to learn more. Educate us, okay? But I will tell you, this is my first experience with a folding camera since the Voigtlander Vito, and I love it, and it makes me want to learn more about these. There you have it. The Voigtlander Perkeo. And we'll be shooting more with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be shooting with this a lot. Gabe, another thing we spoke about today. Yes. Because we can't get enough of each other. Of course. Right? We had we talked for two hours over lunch. Now we're going to talk for another hour. Well, can we just clarify that for our listeners? 
Yes. Let's clarify this. Go for it. Jeff and I combined had six gigantic homemade biscuits. Oh, I'm so glad you brought at this Butcher's up. Butcher's <laughs> Daughter. There's this place in Venice that's amazing called Butcher's Daughter. And they have great food. They have all this stuff. And literally, what do we get? We get biscuits. They're massive. And uh, we ate them. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. I was actually going to talk about it, but I'm glad you did. Okay, I had a late breakfast this morning. And then Gabe reaches out and says, hey, what are you doing today? And as it turned out, the middle of my day was open. So I said, sure, let's meet. Let's meet. And we meet at 11. So... I'm not super hungry. So I order what I think right. is going to be the smallest, most delicate thing on the menu. Yes. Biscuits. Yes. I expect to get two things that look like Thomas's English muffins. These biscuits arrive and they're the size of baseballs and there are three of them. Yeah. And amazing. And I definitely am not going to eat all three of them. And then I do. <laughs> <laughs> and this place is beautiful. Like I've only been there a couple oh, times before, so but it's called Butcher's Daughter and... And on Abbott Kinney, and it's just a it's a fun place great. to go if you come out here. Yes. Anyway, one of the other things we talked about today was Gabe's vow to get out and shoot with his Contorex. Yes. How's that going? Well, I am going to shoot. I have a lot of shoots this week, so I am taking it on the second sh- on Thursday. I'm going to be shooting with it. So. The Contorex Bullseye, Mike Ekman has just such a spectacular article yeah. on it, and it goes in depth, and there's more references. And and so I realized I bought that years ago. I've used it a few times over the years for shoots. It came with three lenses in those oh, plastic man. bubbles, and it was a great deal. And I had no idea how expensive that camera was when it was built, and nor did I have an idea of... If this camera goes down, how quickly I will not get it fixed. <laughs> yeah, this is one thing I wanted to talk about. You yeah. know, we are fortunate. We have a pretty good camera repair guy that we go to who is local and fast. But right. for an exotic thing like a Contorex, there are very, very, very few people who work on them. Right. And you were saying to me that it would be an astounding sum of money. It's something to like $1,200 to repair and then the parts. To completely redo it, it's like. $2,300 or something crazy. Um, and the weight is like, oh, it's a really. Year. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I did put a strap on that camera because of the weight. Like, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's really heavy. It's a heavy but, camera. It's bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah, but I can't wait to use it. Like, I just am very excited about using it. And the lenses are, you know, when I posted it on our iDream Cameras Instagram, I immediately got responses, which is so fun. And it was, yeah. you know, they were telling me that these, you know, the Zeissy lenses, they are they're feel very Zeissy as opposed to the newer yeah. ones. And it was very exciting to see that. So you are you don't hesitate to shoot with this, even though the pitfalls if it goes wrong you know that doesn't no, that doesn't it's hang okay. you up. No, no, good no. good i try i try every shoot i try things and you know i've had some ups and downs and sometimes they're film related sometimes if it's the film is so old or this new acro some of it's it's good some of it's okay yeah right you know and i love it so you know just working on that Okay. Well, I'm eager to see what you get out of that. So this is the first time you've shot with it in a while, right? In a long, in in a few years. So I'm very excited. Wait. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you do with that. Okay. Two more topics before we close out the hour. One thing. This was a Gabe pitch. Instagrams of photographers we like. Yeah. I mean, 
I got to tell you, I got to tell you that um, endlessly in the middle of the night, I will send Jeff, you know, yeah, tons I love of fu- it. funny things and then tons of uh, camera related stuff. And there's always some photographers that I'm really excited about and someone that I'm excited about that I also love their videos, which I actually just sent to Jeff is um, is Mike Gray. I think Mike Gray Mike is... Gray. Is that with a, an A or an E? It's an A. G-R-A-Y. He's at Mike Gray Film on Instagram. And he's just a terrific photographer. And I I really love his work. Like, I really, really, you know, enjoy his style. Yeah, charming. And, and you actually see videos on YouTube of him doing his shoots. And they're always stylized. And, you know, he has a great sense of humor, which is really cool. So... That is definitely my uh, okay, first good. one. So you go, Love you go, that. you do one now, and I'll do the other. All right, my favorite contemporary working photographer. I may have mentioned this guy before. Is Mike Slack? He's a Los Angeles-based photographer. He has published several books. His Instagram is Mike underscore Slack, just like you'd think it's be spelled. Right. This guy, I mean. It may be that I like this guy's work so much because it matches like what I would hope the best of my photographic work would look right. like. He does a lot of shots of plants and buildings. He's very interested in the urban landscape and anomalies in the urban landscape. He's an avid Polaroid photographer. He has published three books of his SX-70 photography, which are among my favorite contemporary photo books. Check this guy out. It's so interesting. I'm looking at his thing right now. He only has 5,600 followers on Instagram, which is... To me, for a photographer of his stature, it doesn't sound like a lot. This guy is amazing. And definitely check out his books. My God, he is great. He is an exemplary photographer. And I would say check out Mike Slack. Two mics so far. Love it. Back to you. And I would say that another photographer who I just love his style, and I've also seen videos of his shoots, is Andre Jocelyn. And he's in Berlin, and he's a Leica ambassador. and But just an amazingly beautiful photographer he does incredible portraits he uses light really in interesting ways i love his stuff but it goes i think just the name jocelyn j-o-s-s-e-l-i-n but just terrific and he does a lot of big big shoots as well yeah that's cool all right well this is not strictly speaking a single photographer's account but i find it to be enormously enjoyable to follow it is photographers photographed have you ever seen this no. It is run by a gentleman named Lawrence with a U, Vecton. And it's just photographers photographed on Instagram. And it is everything from pictures of photographers with cameras. Most recently, by the way, Her Majesty the Queen taking a picture with her Rolly 35. But it is contemporary and classic photographers photographed. So pictures of photographers, self-portraits, all kinds. And it's so cool. And it's a very, very diverse range of photographers, young and old, men and women from all over the world. And it's so interesting. And of course, if you love gear, as we do, there's a lot of photographs of people with their cameras. So that's cool too. They have 37,000 followers, a very popular account, but it is super cool. I would point you to that. Check it out. Okay, so those are a couple of our favorite photography feeds on instagram send us some of yours we'll feature them we'll talk about them don't feature yourself talk about somebody you love come on and let's feature female photographers if we possibly can also love it any final thoughts gabe as we roll out of our 27th episode i am just excited about it and i gotta tell you like i'm i'm i just keep wanting to do more 
I just want to yeah. shoot more cameras and and shoot more film and get out there. And I and I love meeting new people. We were, we're out there in the world and we're handing out stickers and and people are excited about getting into film photography. And this continues. This is why we do what we do, and we're very excited about it. Yeah, it's nice now that it feels like Omicron is loosening its grip to be out in the world and to be thinking about traveling. I'm actually going on my first kind of airline trip Love in a it. while early next week. It's very exciting. And it feels like we'll have more opportunity to go places, take pictures, and interact with other photographers. So that's very exciting. Golly, what else to say? This came with a case. <laughs> oh, it's such a good camera. It is. I guess we have to do some thank yous. I think there's a lot of thank yous. Take it. I think uh, Zeynep Bostic for letting me yes. uh, go shoot your concert. That was so much fun. And Jimmy Steinfeld's are giving me a great deal on camera and film and little odds and ends from your uh, years of working as an amazing photographer. Fred Corey for bringing me to Jimmy's and yeah. always hanging out and being our amazing composer and friend. Keith Greenstein. Keith Greenstein. Oh my gosh. You continue to You know, Valentine's Day us. is coming up. Don't you oh, want to get your Valentine some I Dream of Cameras merchandise? Oh yeah. I mean, we have a rainbow of options for you depending on how much affection you want to express. You can choose something small or something large <laughs> from the I Dream of Cameras web store. Find all that stuff at idreamofcameras.com. You can also, as always, find our Instagram feed, which is growing by leaps and bounds. We just passed 1,100. Did you know that? Just passed 1,100 followers on the Instagram for the I Dream of Cameras feed. This for some exciting. reason, my individual <laughs> account, which is S. Jeff Greenstein, is stalled at about 1,509. That's fine. It's gonna as get I said, bigger. people like me better as a team. Gabe Sachs is Gabe Sachs. Golly, this has been exciting. It's been... This is going to be amazing, you guys. If this episode sounds smooth at the end of this, it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be a <laughs> tribute to we'll explain the Audacity that next episode. <laughs> Freeware Editing Program. Yes. All right, Gabe, take us out of here. I just want to tell you that just for some people, the Limerick Contest has, has concluded. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to put that out there that I know, I know it's disappointing, but there will be more contests in the future. Yes. And uh, because we love you all. That's the truth. I will say that one of our prize winners has not claimed his prize yet. Yes. The gentleman who won the Instamatic has not actually claimed it. Please don't mm. stick me with this thing. Okay? Go back and listen to the episode and yep. claim your prize. Yep. All right. That concludes what, what Gabe? It concludes what? It concludes episode 27, meaning that we screwed up one episode and we just added another. That's all I can yes. say. Yes. There you go. See you next time. Mm.